Welcome to FASD Hope, a podcast about fetal alcohol spectrum disorder through the lens of parent advocates with over 19 years of lived experience. FASD Hope provides awareness, information, and inspiration to those people whose lives have been touched by FASD. And I'm the host of FASD Hope, Natalie Vecchione. Welcome to today's episode. Hi, thanks for joining us today. Today, I'll be speaking with Emily Rusnak. Emily Rusnak, PhD, CCC, SLP, is the founder and project coordinator for the FASD Collaborative Project, a cross-organization international initiative to increase high-quality training and support options for caregivers, self-advocates, and professionals in the FASD community. Dr. Rusnak is also the Vice President for Michigan's FASD United Affiliate, and she has served on the Executive Council for FASD United. Welcome to FASD Hope. I have been having a lovely conversation with today's guest. I have not met her, but I am just so so thankful for the amazing work that she's done, uh, not only through McFairs, which we're going to talk about, but this exciting, exciting, just treasure trove of resources through the FASD Collaborative Project. I am speaking with Dr. Emily Rusnak. I am so happy to have her on our show today to talk about all of these amazing initiatives and how she is really just helping to make FASD information, awareness, supports, resources so much more accessible and readily available for those in the FASD community. So with that lengthy introduction, Dr. Emily Rusnak, Emily, welcome to FASD Hope. Oh, well, thank you. I really appreciate you inviting me on here to speak. Thank you for, for being on our show. Little side note, I had to wait. Emily is a very busy, very busy person. I, I, we waited a long time for this conversation and Absolutely. I'm, I'm so thankful we did because I'm, I am so happy for her to share uh, just what's going on and the resources that are going to be available to you listeners. So um, let's just share for anyone who's not familiar with your work in the um, FASD community. Um, Emily, can you just share a little bit about how you became an FASD advocate and the, uh, everything that's happened since then? Um, yeah, sure. Um, well, uh, to take a couple steps back in my life, um, I'm actually trained as a speech language pathologist uh, in my clinical work. Um, and um, I did my PhD in uh, communication sciences and disorders, which is a fancy name for speech language pathology. Um, and my area of expertise uh, was looking at the role of poverty uh, in child language development. I also did some work in psycholinguistics, um, did research in sleep uh, and language learning, uh, stuttering. So a pretty varied background. And I worked in higher education um, as a professor. And um, during my time uh, in higher ed, uh, my husband and I adopted a little girl out of foster care in Michigan, and uh, she 
ended up having an FASD. Actually, the first day uh, that we met her, the first moment we met her, she rounded the corner at the Department of Health and Human Services uh, in our county in Michigan. Um, and we saw her for the first time and I, you know, jammed my elbow into my husband's ribs and said, oh, she has an FASD. Um, and my husband's like, no, she doesn't. And I was like, no, she totally does. Because I had clinically a pretty good understanding of the, you know, dysmorphology, the facial dysmorphology of FASD. But um, I really, and my husband also has a PhD in education. Between the two of us, we had really no clue how to address FASD. So our entire team was focused on um, her having a very significant trauma background. Um, and so we sort of shelved FASD for a while. She ended up getting a diagnosis um, within that first year, but it really wasn't the thing that our team was focused on. It was trauma, 100% trauma. And so we did super intensive trauma therapy. Um, you know, we had her in a specialized school. We did all the occupational therapy, you know, speech language pathology, obviously she'd got that 24 seven at home, but, um, you know, we ended up three and a half years down the way with a child who was just on the brink of residential treatment. Um, and so, uh, we were like, you know, what's going wrong. We have this amazing team. We, everyone's advocating for this kiddo. And it was that we were simply focused on the wrong things. Uh, we were focused on, um, trauma, which is an extremely important part of her history. Um, but what we learned, um, and, you know, it took a long time for us to be able to understand this, but that, you know, FASD really is her primary disorder. Um, and that, the postnatal trauma was overlaid on top of that. Um, and so we were just addressing the, you know, the bun of the hamburger and not really the, the meat of what was going on. And so uh, that, you know, created a lot of challenges. Um, we had to relearn everything about um, who our child was and what her needs were. Um, and through that process, um, you know, we, uh, got involved. I got involved in the FASD community. Um, you know, we humbly walked into the community with, um, I think, probably more knowledge than the average person, but, you know, when they first enter the community, but really inc incredibly insufficient um, amount of knowledge um, on FASD. So we had to learn. We read, um, we studied, we listened to so many different voices uh, in the community. Um, and through that process, I started to work with our state NOFAS affiliate at the time. Well, NOFAS at the time, now FASD United affiliate, uh, McFairs, which is the Michigan Coalition for Fetal Alcohol Resources, Education and Support. A very big mouthful, um, but that's our state NOFAS affiliate uh, or FASD United affiliate. Um, and so through that group, I started to become much more involved at both the state level and the national level. So I served on executive council uh, for FASD United, um, you know, attended the summits and all of that, and just got heavily involved in that part of our field. And um, since I'm a consumer of lots of information visually, um, as Natalie and I have talked about, um, I, you know, really enjoyed getting involved in Facebook groups um, and learning from the you know, wonderful experts who are caregivers and professionals in that community. So that was kind of how I got involved uh, personally from a personal perspective. Um, and professionally, I ended up leaving higher ed. Um, I ended up retiring early actually. Um, and so now I just volunteer my time to the FASD community. Thank you for sharing your journey and your FASD 
you know, your family's journey. And you say that like, oh, I just, I, I'm use my time. Emily is one of the busiest people I know. Probably. <laughs> I, I want to say, because this initiative, not only for what McFairs has done and the resources that you've provided in Michigan, um, and then becoming a, a NOFAS slash FASD United affiliate, but now this amazing, amazing, and we were talking both, like Emily said, before we started recording, Initially, it was a national, the National FASD Collaborative Project, but really has become international because I, when the couple of webinars that I've attended and the couple of things that I've participated in, there are people from around the world on, on these, in these wonderful classes and in these wonderful webinars and training sessions. So that grew and I'm, I'm just so thankful that you did that. And just hearing your family's journey, I, I know so many of our listeners will hear so many similarities, you know, in that, um, especially so for, for us, for example, I, my background is in music therapy and rec therapy. And, you know, when the red flag started going off with our son, it was like, Oh, I think, you know, something developmentally is going on. You know, you, you just know when you're in that space, but then like you said, and I can relate to this so much, like you said, you know something, but you really don't know the depth of FASD until you're in that world, you know? Mm -hmm. And then once, you know, so many guests have shared, there's just no going back. You know, you, you know, this information and you want to share it because why don't more people know about this? So I, I, I really appreciate that, um, about your journey, Emily. So let's talk a little bit before we get into the FASD collaborative project, let's talk a little bit about McFairs, what you all have been doing and just anything that's coming up this year that, that we can let our listeners be aware of. Sure. So McFairs, um, as I mentioned, is uh, Michigan's uh, FASD United affiliate. Uh, We're the only organization in the state of Michigan, uh, partly by design. Uh, We've had organizations pop up across the state, but we um, really want to have a single united focus uh, in the state um, in terms of like the FASD United piece. Um, But our organization actually started out um, in... Well, we go back quite a ways in Michigan. Uh, We had families um, who adopted children out of the foster care system way back in the early 90s, um, who started running conferences in the early to mid 90s. Um, They pushed for diagnostic clinics here. So we have six diagnostic clinics in our state. Um, We, by 99. Um, I think that that's when they first started uh, forming what we called a task force at the time. And it was really a coalition um, that was specifically addressing FASD in a very, you know, collaborative kind of format. Um, And by 2003, one of our leading voices in the state at the time, um, and still is, Barb Weibrecht, um, she didn't sort of a call to arms, the call to action, um, and said, we really need an FASD United at the time, NOFAS um, affiliate here, let's get this going. And so by 2003, um, McFairs was formed as just a county level coalition, the Macomb County, which is right outside of Detroit uh, in Michigan, the Northern suburbs, um, that was formed. Um, and from there, you know, it just grew bit by bit by bit. And by the early 2010s, uh, we finally joined NOFAS um, at the time as an affiliate. 
Um, we really focus on those three last three letters of our names, the resources, the education and the support. That's where our focus lies um, as an organization. So we worked um, for a couple of years to be able to build out a fairly progressive at the time website to have lots of information available uh, for people not only in Michigan, but nationally. Um, we have Facebook groups um, that we support. Um, we try to stream individuals from, you know, pre-diagnosis all the way through, you know, the process of learning about the neurobehavioral approach and then all the complementary, you know, skill building therapies that can be developed. Um, we've run plenty of conferences. We host our state coalition. Um, we're just kind of the go-to for FASD in the state. Um, we work very collaboratively with our state of Michigan uh, Department of Health and Human Services uh, representatives um, to help them do their job um, well um, and help them be able to get you know their resources out into the community. Um, so it's just a, it's a really collaborative space. Um, but as you know, with all of the states um, or most of the states, there's a, just very, very little funding. We're a completely, you know, all volunteer organization. Um, and that obviously hampers our reach to a certain extent, the depth that we can go into work um, in the state. So, you know, the hope is with um, continued funding at the federal level, continued funding at the state level that we can, um, you know, grow, continue to grow our affiliate. We're, I would say, a medium-sized affiliate. Um, we're not the smallest and we're surely not the largest, but we've, you know, tried to make our presence known um, within the FASD United Affiliate Network. Um, and, you know, that's, that's really where the FASD Collaborative Project uh, developed. Um, so with you know, I was sitting on an executive council meeting for FASD United, and there was a situation where Nate Sheets, um, everybody knows Nate um, as a, you know, a presenter and consultant uh, in our field uh, for FASD. Um, he was actually being called in to do a number of different sessions in our region, in the greater Great Lakes region, um, you know, doing his sort of standard, uh, it's a brain thing kind of spiel. And um, he was contracted with a bunch of different organizations to do exactly the same thing. Um, and so it was like a six week burst of Nate Sheets everywhere in our region. And then after that, there was like nothing for the rest of the year. And I thought, well, this is frustrating. Here we had Nate like more than we almost needed Nate because some of the sessions were not full. You know, we really struggled with you know, the idea that all of these resources were poured into one particular, you know, literally one single idea, and Nate's wonderful, we want Nate kind of everywhere, but, you know, just one single thing, and then the rest of the year, there was like nothing, and I thought, well, wouldn't it be nice if we took all of these little silos and, you know, actually worked across groups and shared our resources, because largely in the United States, everyone has their own little pocket of resources and they're working in their own little corner um, and they're doing really good work in their space. But, you know, I couldn't, you know, call up the folks in Alaska and say, hey, I've got this, you know, thing, could you possibly help us with this? And, you know, that it would, we could figure out a way to make that work quickly. It was, you know, oftentimes there's just a lot of bureaucracy. Um, and so I presented this to the executive council just as a thought. And I said, wouldn't this be great if, you know, we did this? And they were like, you should do it. And I thought, well, okay, I will. 
Um, so that's where the FASD Collaborative Project uh, was formed, uh, was just out of this idea that, you know, we really should be collaborating more. And maybe there's a way we could all just give a little of our own organizations. Um, that's, that's the whole grab is it's like, I'm not asking you to dump your entire pot of money in, into the collaborative. I'm just saying, you know, take one webinar or one set of, you know, support groups or something that, you know, you could offer to a national audience at the time, now international audience. Um, and let's seam those together and see what we could create. So I really thought that we were just going to get, you know, a series of six to eight webinars and we would just, it'd be great. And it just, Oh, it was overflowing the amount of information. So it's pretty, pretty impressive um, how everyone was really able to um, sort of give a little and it really turned into this like sea of resources. I am just so excited about this because I remember when it first came out, Emily, it, you had things planned through like, I think it was through 2022. And, and mm -hmm. I was like, wow, this, this is great. This is going to last for a while. And, and then it just kept growing. Like you said, it just kept growing. And I told my husband shortly after, you know, you released it. And, and I, I remember it was probably like early winter, maybe late fall last year. I said, Emily, can I add this to the FASD Hope website because this is an amazing resource and you were like absolutely sure and while you were talking i was just double checking to make sure that mcfairs and the fasd collaborative project are both listed on the fasdhope.com website under resources it's amazing when you know something i like to say it's inspiration from desperation mm -hmm. so we're desperate for these resources and and you know someone like nate sheets who he's amazing i've interviewed him before he's he's fantastic like you said you get a burst of that education for you know six weeks and then poof it's gone it's kind of like mm -hmm. taking a training somewhere and that's gone and you want it to continue so mm -hmm. i love that that's how the fasd collaborative project was born from that growth of what you experienced through McFairs. And then also listening to you sharing this, I didn't realize how established McFairs was. I knew that you all had been in existence for a while, but that's going on 20 years. That's yeah. That's I mean, just for McFairs itself. And then yes. you know, just the work in the state has, you know, there we have people who have been working on this for 40 years. I mean, yes. with the first infant uh, diagnosed in the United States was uh, Barb's son, yeah. yes, um, and Rob. And so there's just there is a long history here, and we've had some really you know wonderful leading researchers who have you know worked out of here, who still work out of here. The Jacobsons work, um, you know, at uh, Wayne State University. Um, John Hannigan is at Wayne State University. So we have some you know wonderful you know, researchers here, wonderful, you know, community workers, um, you know, state workers, it just there's a, a really nice uh, group of individuals. But like I said, it's just, you know, we're just a drop in the amount of need that's, of, you know, in the state at this point, even our diagnostic clinics, six clinics, most people are like, wow, you know, how, that's amazing. You have six clinics in Michigan, but it really only serves a tiny slice of the overall need in the state. Um, so it's, it's still not nearly enough. So, you know, it's always sort of this vision of let's build more and more and more. And so. I'm so glad that because realizing that foundation, you know, like you're talking about Barb and her son and, and just the clinics and, and, and the clinical 
foundations that goes back to 40 years. Having the FASD collaborative project really is kind of like taking it to the next, to, to this era now. Okay, here's access through online, through support groups, through just a number of things. So let's let's talk about it because I sometimes go on there and I can spend a lot of time on there because I'm like, oh, what's coming up? Oh, here. So let's talk about it because there, there are quite a few facets involved in the collaborative project. So Emily, if you can share just, you know, some of the many things that the collaborative project can offer. Yeah, so our main focus points started out as providing training and support. Um, those, that was the sort of two first pillars. And so we focused on trying to get together um, a webinar series that would bring many different voices from around the U.S. who really just wanted to have, you know, a little tiny give uh, toward the webinar series. And I was a little you know, I was worried we were just going to get like, you know, 40 FASD 101s because all of us do our little FASD 101 thing. But we, what we had was a really relatively robust first flush of um, topics. Um, and so those are all divided up two to four per month um, that we have uh, at this point. Our calendar is up through August of 2022 this year. Um, and then we'll be probably setting up another webinar series for next year. We're debating a little bit about, you know, what the next steps are, um, but I, I can give a little bit more information in a minute. Um, in terms of our support groups, um, we have 23 different support groups at this moment in time, um, and those cover um, birth parents, um, birth mothers, self-advocates, uh, caregivers, um, across, a, there's a ton of caregiver groups. And these go, um, you know, it's almost like every day of the month, there's so, kind of something going on. Uh, some days are flooded <laughs> with uh, webinar, I'm mean, not webinars, but support groups. Um, and uh, so there's just a really uh, robust number of things that people can access if they want and need support. I mean, Years ago, my vision was uh, to sort of emulate what they do in the AA community, which is to have this space where, you know, if I need support, I can just kind of dial in and go. Well, we're not to that space yet where it's just a dial and go, but we do have this calendar of, um, you know, support groups on our website um, that links you into where you can at least find somebody pretty much kind of every day of the week. Uh, we even have some, you know, coming now on Saturdays, which is great. Um, so that's a support group piece. Um, after we had that, those two pieces sort of settled. Um, you know, to, and to, to mention about the support groups, I think this is a really important piece that I don't think most people realize is that a lot of the support groups um, that are extant around the United States um, and really in other countries as well, uh, these are really very, very local supports. Um, I'm talking, you know, a group in Northern California who services, you know, one particular county for the most part. Um, so the notion of spreading that, you know, support group to at first a national audience and then an international audience was a little scary, I think, for a lot of our support groups. And so what I thought was going to be you know, like a month's worth of time of just sort of saying, hey, everybody, let's throw your support groups in the pot and we'll, you know, put a calendar together and look how great this will be. It was a big dialogue because it was a, a sea change in how people were looking at the resource that they had on hand. And because of COVID, 
you know, suddenly people started running their local support groups online because they needed to, um, it, because of lockdowns and whatnot. So um, it started to, you know, COVID was a little bit of a gift to the FASD community in that respect, because it really shifted some of the work online and democratized um, access at that point. So once we had these dialogues of, you know, no, you're not going to be overrun with, you know, 400 people in your support group. Yes, they, they have to contact you first to be able to get the link for Zoom and all of that kind of stuff. Once we had those things in place, then, you know, I think that level of trust um, was established uh, across groups. And suddenly it went from, you know, I'm just going to let some people into my local group to, yeah, I really am running um, an international support group. Um, so I think that's a really important piece is that it just kind of changed the dialogue around resources. And so now when we look at resources just in the community, I can just, you know, today I was having a conversation with uh, Marilyn Pierce Bolger in Alaska, and um, she was talking about a talk that she was going to do to medical for medical professionals in Alaska. And I was like, hey, Marilyn, this would be great if you could share it with a collaborative because you're already going to record it. Um, it's going to be made available to, you know, professionals. Why not just, you know, democratize it a little bit more and make it a little bit wider audience. So those are the kind of dialogues that we can have now where people have probably shelves and shelves, you know, digital shelves full of recordings that have been just collecting dust that we can sort of breathe new life into that. And um, which leads sort of to the next layer of what we're doing twofold. One, uh, we have started uh, special interest groups for professionals. Um, right now we have a mental health professional uh, special interest group. Uh, we also have a speech language pathologist uh, special interest group. Uh, those are going very well. Um, like our speech path group, uh, we have already got a presentation for our national organization. A couple of them actually put together um, and submitted, and we're looking at writing some white papers. Um, so there's lots of movement, I think, about, you know, getting a better dialogue going in each of the professions. We're also looking at creating um, some dialogue spaces around education. Um, not just professionals, but like, you know, in, you know, interested stakeholders, bringing everyone to the table and saying, you know, what can we do about education as a community? How can we maybe change the landscape or get something together that can help push, you know, our best practice models into the schools, you know, the same with housing and transition. So we have those opportunities um, that are coming up as well. Um, you know, they're kind of coming down the pipeline. Uh, so, you know, there's that piece um, of the the process. Um, and then this has kind of all led to this idea of creating what we call micro credentials and macro credentials. So micro credentials are basically streams of learning. Once we've collected like all of these webinars, um, we want to be able to glue them together and create a bit of a story. Like, you know, I'm sitting here looking at um, some of our webinars from May. Um, and we'll have Eileen Devine presenting on uh, brain-first parenting and executive functioning in individuals with FASD. And then uh, we'll have Elizabeth Cleveland, Dr. Cleveland, uh, present on communication and cognition in individuals with FASD. And so those two pieces right there alone are looking at some, you know, developmental uh, pieces that would be good for practitioners and, and for parents, for caregivers. 
So we can start to glue those together and create the stream of learning and then get you know, CEUs for that going for professionals. Uh, we already have certificates of completion for folks that they can get. And we do have some graduate credit available already as well. Um, so we can glue those together within the collaborative and create this training platform that's uh, much more topical. So you can get one webinar, you can get a whole stream of webinars on a single topic. Um, and these are all experts in the field, uh, people who, you know, have, have spent their career, um, you know, learning about um, FASD, understanding best practices, everything we promote is evidence-based practice in the field. Um, so that's an important piece as well. So on the macro credential side, we will be, um, we're focusing on creating an FASD certificate program at the university level. Um, there is this program in uh, Canada already, but we don't have that here in the US. And so we're working with folks from Alaska, two universities in Alaska, um, universities in Arkansas, and we've got other colleagues in Arizona and whatnot who are already, you know, thinking about these topics. And we're all going to work together. Once again, we're just kind of throwing a little bit in the pot and looking and seeing what we can create across these spaces. So you know, there's some really neat things that have happened and it's really just because people have been given the space to create together. Um, and so it's it's pushing things forward very rapidly, much more rapidly than I ever expected personally. Wow, I, I cannot <laughs> come up with a better word than wow. The exponential growth and to see how not only has this boomed in size and in accessibility, but the depth of this education, I mean, you really, like you said, you started with the training and support and it just, this whole collaborative, it has just gone so much deeper than just that. And even within those two spheres of those original main themes, you've gone so much deeper. And to hear, I am like, if I could do a cartwheel, I would, to hear that they're you're working on an FASD credential program at, you know, a, a university level, a certificate type of program. That's fantastic, Emily. Oh yeah. my goodness. Oh my you goodness. You know, it just, it gives, you know, some, I think, teeth to the work um, that's been going on for decades. I mean, we've had, you know, warriors in our field really championing you know, so much work, um, you know, through multiple channels, you know, we've got the CDC folks, ACOGA and AAP that, you know, on the professional side of things. Um, and then we've, you know, got tons of caregivers who have just been, you know, devoting their lives to this particular topic. So we feel like, you know, by helping, you know, tie these things together, it's, um, it's a, what we say in linguistics, it's sort of probabilistic growth um, that, you know, if you have one item or two items together um, that you're only going to get so much, but when you start adding, you know, the talk between those two items and then a third item and the talk that happens and suddenly you're just got this explosion. That's what we see in child language development. That's why kids get a few words. And then by the time they hit 50 words, there's like this boom yes. um, and it's been well-documented. And so we're kind of seeing the same type of thing um, at this point when we just glue a little bit of our resources together. It's like, wow, suddenly we've been, I know at McFairs in particular, we've been freed a lot of the responsibility around you know, we got to get this conference together this year and we got to pour, you know, thousands of dollars of resources uh, to be able to bring XYZ people. Um, I'm not saying it covers everyone's need all the time, but it does give this base layer of support um, and base layer of training that 
every organization, you know, FASD or not can use in the United States um, and internationally. So it just, I don't know, it's, it's that democratized kind of space. You know, I promote the idea that FASD is a borderless topic. There are no borders in FASD. And I really don't think we need borders in our resources either. I mean, clearly we have missions that we have to, you know, serve our own population. But I just feel this, you know, collaborative space has really created the opportunity to just really supercharge a lot of the work. Um, and it's just, it's made me very grateful for so many of the, you know, the, the collection of voices that are out there in our field. Um, some really spectacular people, and, you know, people you've talk to as well, you know, on your podcast. Yes. Yes. And that's one of the many uh, benefits of being a podcaster is I get to, I get, you know, I get to talk to people like you and, and just so many wonderful guests and self-advocates, parent advocates, organizations, professionals, cl- you know, clinicians, and I get to talk privately with them for 30, 60 minutes, but then of course <laughs> I, I release it because yeah, you know, I want other people to, to hear this conversation too, but yeah, it, it, I love what you said, Emily, about how there are no, there are no borders in FASD and there shouldn't be borders in FASD resources that right there, that is so key. And that really, I think is just one of the many beautiful things about the FASD collaborative project is that it started as this idea and then just bloomed and just organically just, I'm just so excited, you know, to finally have you on to talk about this. So you mentioned what's happening in May, a couple, you know, Eileen Devine, can you talk about a couple of uh, other um, classes or webinars that are coming up in the summer, just so that some of our listeners can be aware of upcoming events? Yeah, absolutely. We have, um, as I mentioned, Eileen and um, Elizabeth in May. In June, we have uh, Kathy Hotelling. Dr. Hotelling is going to present um, on a topic near and dear to, I think, a lot of our hearts as caregivers, uh, the elephant in the room, grief. Um, And so one of the streams of learning that we have developing right now, uh, we've got several different um, practitioners uh, internationally at this point, looking at um, how we work together to get this stream around the concept of grief and resilience, um, you know, resiliency in the field. Um, Eileen did a wonderful talk, and I actually I want everyone to listen to that particular webinar. Um, She really goes over you know, some of the difficulties that we have as caregivers and how we don't really give ourselves enough, um, I don't know, sort of an, enough uh, space to be able to address our, our own needs. Um, and it's not the like, you know, I think there's a kitschy kind of feel to self-care uh, where, you know, I, I need my bubble bath, I need this or that, you know, and there's always some kind of you know, thing that you're getting, but really Eileen breaks it down into much more the psychological components um, and what self-care does and doesn't, you know, provide you. Um, so I think that's really a great one. That's already in our recordings, which I'll talk about in a minute. Um, Nate Sheets, uh-huh. we've talked about Nate before, but he's <laughs> going to be presenting uh, for us in June uh, in on his, uh, you know, cognitive supports model that he um, promotes. And that's really kind of a blend of neurobehavioral approach and Mona Della Hook um, and Ross Green. So it's a very a kind of eclectic model. Uh, we have in July, Lee Tinku Leper, Dr. Leper, uh, Tinku Leper is going to be presenting on alcohol SBI training. 
um, which is a little bit more of a professional side um, of the talks that we do. So we have talks that are, you know, distinctly professionally oriented and then talks that are distinctly caregiver oriented. And I think that they're, you know, most of the talks can be consumed by everyone uh, because I think there's something to be learned, um, you know, in those common spaces. Uh, we have a wonderful talk um, in July also by D Dr. David Deere and Dr. Elizabeth Cleveland is going to, who's going to be presenting again for us, looking at a functional approach to FASD diagnosis. They actually run an NDPAE diagnostic clinic um, in Arkansas. Um, and it's, to me, kind of a, I don't know, I feel it's a a big deal because they run the clinic, not with geneticists and, you know, medical doctors. This is a speech language pathologist, a social worker. They have a genetic counselor and a nurse practitioner uh, who are, uh, um, I think, on consult, not directly related. So they can still do consult with them. Uh, but, you know, we obviously, uh, I think it's at, at the next the next realm for diagnostics in the US because I don't think we're gonna be able to create, you know, hundreds or thousands of, you know, four-digit diagnostic code or IOM, um, you know, the HOMI et al. Uh, research model uh, for diagnostics. I think the NDPAE will probably be, you know, like autism diagnosis. We want it to be regular and, you know, repeatable across communities. Um, in August, we have uh, Dr. Claire Coles, who's going to be presenting on the effects of alcohol and drug exposure during pregnancy. Uh, she's from Emory University. And then we're going to be welcoming back uh, Chris Trout from Papillon Center um, in Tennessee. Uh, Chris is going to be talking about FASD in the family system. And so that'll take us to the end of our 2021-22 series um, that we put together. Um, all of the webinars that we do are recorded. So um, that's a really important piece. So it isn't just a one and done and, you know, the information just, you know, melts away into the, you know, interwebs um, that we actually record this information and all of the recordings are available on the FASD Collaborative website. So um, we are going to be taking these webinars and like I said, moving them into these micro-credential stream of learning. So you can pick one or you can pick a lot um, on the same type of topic. So that's to come. Um, and it, there'll be a little bit of a redo on the website as well. So many wonderful presenters. So resourceful in this information and anybody can access them. Anybody can, can reach them. And I also know from attending a couple of, participating in a couple of these webinars, it's very, there's, it's not cost prohibitive. Yeah, well, um, we, it's all free uh, to uh, attend all of our trainings. It's free for the support groups. Um, there are a couple of uh, fee-based um, groups that are in the support group list. And those are actually therapist kind of cultivated spaces. So it's more of a therapeutic approach um, that they're looking at. So they do have fees attached to that, but otherwise everything in the collaborative is free you know, and for us, we'd love it if people would donate uh, to be able to support the work because, you know, the more funding that we have, uh, the basically the faster that we can get stuff out. Um, you know, it just uh, helps us be able to do our work to be able to get more humans, um, you know, interacting with this particular information. So it's all free. 
um, when we do our recordings, we um, actually have everyone turn off their uh, cameras and turn off their microphones um, so we can just focus on that presenter. We have a time where people can, you know, ask questions um, of the presenter. And then once we turn the recording off, then it's almost like a support group space there uh, where people can you know, obviously ask the presenter, you know, off the, you know, off the record uh, some questions um, and, you know, just you know, get to know each other um, and support each other. So it's, it's it, you know, it's this kind of blended model uh, when we do the webinars. So yeah, everything is meant to be free. Uh, we, I, I just feel, you know, I worked for many years in early intervention and I see the power of being able to um, have, let everyone have access to service. I know that not everyone has access to streaming, you know, internet service all of the time, but um, you know, hopefully in their communities, they can access, um, you know, at the library and whatnot, um, and be able to listen to um, watch some of the webinars, um, or participate in some of the support groups. So, but the whole po point is to um, let the organizations who have a little bit of resource just give that to our community. So that that's, that's really our, the, our main model, we don't want to, we don't want to charge for anything. Um, if we don't need to. Um, there's a little bit of a charge for the graduate credit because that runs through a university. So they pay the university for their graduate credit. So just free. Resourceful, accessible, and free. Donate if you're able to. Donate if right. you're able to. But resourceful, accessible, and free. You could not pick three better words to describe just how helpful this collaborative project is for parents, professionals, caregivers, anyone. So Emily, let's share how people can just access, go on, you know, follow you on social media. How can people get in touch and learn more or to sign up for uh, initiatives through the uh, FASD Collaborative Project? Sure. Um, you can go to our website. That's probably the main spot where you get uh, most information that you can access. That's www.fasdcollaborative.com. On our website, we have a uh, mailing list that you can sign up for. It's on the main page. Um, at the top of the, you know, the title bar, then you can pull up just about anything that we have going on from support groups, webinars, the special interest groups, and the continuing education. Um, we do have a presence on um, Facebook right now. Um, our, we have a business page on Facebook. Um, so if you are on Facebook, please come visit our uh, page. We moved from, we actually started out as a group, um, kind of a private group or actually a public group on Facebook. And Natalie was great about like sending lots of people our way. And so we ended up deciding uh, because it just gives us a little bit more power to be able to target ads um, on Facebook. We shifted over to a business page. And so now we kind of have to recollect a lot of folks, um, you know, to like our page and share the information. So I share in a lot of the larger um, FASD groups. I try not to spam people. Um, we do about two to three mailings maximally uh, per month. Um, you know, as Natalie and I talked about bef right before we started recording, you know, we really are focused on hopefully getting across all social media platforms um, and, you know, getting a social media intern would be fantastic. That's my next goal at this point. So this is, this is a call to action. Yes, anyone out there, <laughs> anyone out there, Emily and I were talking before recording. 
anyone out there who knows of someone who is studying uh, communication, marketing, and who needs to do an internship in social media, the FASD Collaborative Project would happily like to talk to you about uh, how you can get your hours in doing an internship and building more of a social media presence across not only Facebook, but Instagram, LinkedIn, other pages, Twitter. We know, Emily and I had this discussion, we know that getting in social media can be a very helpful tool for families, for professionals, for people to say, hey, I didn't even know this existed. So if you are interested in learning about how you can help through social media, please contact Emily and I will list the information that she shared in our progress notes, as well as a general contact email. So if you know somebody or if you are somebody, please, uh, this is a call to action. We need a social media intern for the FASD Collaborative Project. Yes, that'd be great. And, you know, our whole... Like I said, our whole p mission is really focusing on, you know, organizations being able to give uh, something to the collaborative. When they do that, they become a member organization to the collaborative. And so if you are running an organization, um, you do not have to be FASD specific, but if you have an FASD mission, please contact us. Um, if you have, you know, an important message to share and it's evidence-based, you know, contact us and we can talk about, you know, what you can share within this space. Um, you know, we really are focused on the idea of each one reach one um, so that we can teach one, right? So we really like this kind of combinatorial uh, press that we have from one person to the next, you know, like Natalie shares with, you know, all of her folks, and then that is hopefully going to spread it to more and more individuals, because the whole hope is to have a space where you know, we can just send people to and they can get the information. It's really not my deal. I mean, I'm project managing it right now, but you know, the idea is that the, it's these 30 plus and it will be hundreds hopefully down the way organizations that all just combine together and continue to build a sea of resources. Um, so, you know, if, if you think that you, and well, people, organizations who have, um, you know, dusty recordings that are really good sitting on their shelves, contact us because we can add that to, you know, our base of information to be shared. Um, you know, we oftentimes will mirror back to the original source so that you get to collect the data too that you want to collect. So we can work with you to be able to create, I think, a dynamic, um, you know, set of opportunities. So uh, do connect with us. Terrific. So again, if you're interested, I will be listing those links as well as the general email to reach Emily if you're interested in any of what she's uh, sharing in our program notes as well as our social media posts for this week. So Emily, it has totally been worth the wait to talk with you <laughs> about this amazing collaborative project and about McFair's too. I am just so thankful for this amazing, again, it's, it's just this, you've taken the best of so many worlds in the facets of FASD and just put them in one place. And for anyone in the FASD community, whether you be caregiver, whether you be self-advocate, professional clinician, someone who doesn't know about it and wants to learn more, you've really just developed, I keep going back to these words, but treasure trove of resources and support. And uh, for that, I am just so thankful. So, um, 
before we leave, I always like to end on words of hope. And um, this, again, the FASD collaborative project is a huge hope takeaway for me because you're just giving such a wonderful um, variety, such a wonderful wealth of information to so many people that has a ripple effect. So, uh, but we know this journey is hard. You know, not only are you a professional, you are also a parent advocate. And many of us in the FSD community are parent advocates and, you know, then help start other, you know, organizations or, or entities. Can you share some words of hope and encouragement for individuals out there about what you've experienced in the FASD community, and especially recently, that can give people uh, just just some hope to take away with them? You know, I think as a parent, um, one of the things I wish I would have heard early on is that there is <laughs> there is a pathway forward. Um, and I think the hope for all parents, you know, be they, you know, biological parents parenting their child with an FASD, um, or foster parents or adoptive parents, um, is that we all really want to see our kids succeed. And so much of our literature says our kids don't succeed. And so many of the experiences that we have, um, you know, in our own homes and in our own lives feel like sort of like, oh, I'm just you know, breeding failure. But realistically, our, our community and our, the literature, the research literature is really showing us a pathway forward so that uh, we can create like these golden pathways for our kids. You know, it's not going to be easy. Um, no one says that you're, you're going to fix your kid in the process, but that you can, you know, keep the I don't know. So the barriers along the edge and keep them going on a really stable pathway forward. And, you know, that's something I wish I would have, like someone would have been able to give to me as a, a new parent um, of a kiddo with an FASD. Um, we just had to discover that on our own. And so, you know, I think that our field is amazing um, in so many different ways. We just have a translation issue about getting this information out to them and getting it used by, you know, professionals. And so the parents have been, you know, slogging for decades trying to get, you know, change. And so I just feel like, you know, that the, the hope is that, you know, we really do promote, um, you know, what we already know works um, and be able to help families behind us. I think that's the, the whole focus of the collaborative is that let's not do this again, you know, for another generation. Let's not um, have us all hit rock bottom before we, you know, have to look, you know, outside of ourselves. There should be a, there should be a base level for everyone to be able to access information and be able to learn uh, and help their own families. So I, you know, appreciate podcasts like yours and others, um, you know, just to be able to democratize that space. So, you know, thank you to Natalie for that. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Thank you, Emily. Amazing words of hope. And I am just so thankful again for what you've done and what the collaborative is doing uh, for so many people. Again, this ripple effect all around, not only in the country, but all around the world. Mm -hmm. So Dr. Emily Rusneck of McFairs and the FASD Collaborative Project, thank you again for being on FASD Hope. Oh, thank you, Natalie. It was a pleasure. 
Thanks again for listening to FASD Hope with Natalie Becchione. If you like our show and want more information, check out FASDHope.com or please leave us a five-star rating and review and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you join us again next week and remember to be informed, take care, and always have hope.